Good morning. Am I on? Good morning. Yeah, we did survive the uh, hike at Torrey Pines. I got kind of concerned because the rain started coming down on the little kids. But uh, they wanted to keep going, which is, uh, which is funny. Glad, glad we got back. You know, um, I twisted my ankle the day before in jiu-jitsu, and um, I wasn't able to hike with them, so I just chilled in the van and stayed on the beach and everything. And I was tired. I don't know how you guys are tired, but I was tired. I guess it was sitting in the sun. Um, but uh, it's good to see Stacy here. Hi, Stacy. Are you staying for dinner? I understand. I understand. And Adam, if, does everyone know Adam Kelly? The last time Adam was here was uh, at our inaugural service. And so he, this is his second time, third, second, second time here. So glad you're here. You're welcome to dinner too if you want. It's in Encinitas and uh, these guys know how to throw down some food. So just, you just, uh, you won't go home full and you'll probably go home with a bag, right? That's how we roll here. But uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're finishing this part of the chapter um, of using your spiritual gift in the church. We remember that Christ, he died on the cross for our sins. He paid for our sins. He, he uh, redeemed us. He's given us new life in him. And then he also, it says here, he gave us spiritual gifts. And if you recall, if you recall, um, uh, the, uh, I'm just going to review the first part in verses 7 to 10 of chapter 4 is to recognize clearly the uniqueness of your spiritual gift. God gave each of us, if you know who the Lord Jesus Christ is, if he is your savior, he has not saved you to simply be on the pew, or we call it, if you're going to call it in sports terms, he has not saved you to simply be on the bleachers. He has saved you so that you would bring glory to him by using your spiritual gift, your unique spiritual gift in the local church. Secondly, we saw in verses 11 to 13 that not only are you given a spiritual gift, but that God gives the apostles, the prophets, pastors and teachers and evangelists. He gives them to the local church so that you can become equipped to serve in the local church. And what occurs is you become stronger, you become better skilled, you become better, uh, you become more wise in its use. And you become specialist in where, uh, how God would use you in the local church. But lastly, we want to talk about this last point, um, and hopefully we could finish here. The last point, mature, if you're uh, taking notes, mature steadily in using your spiritual gift. This portion, verses 14 to 16, is about maturity, about spiritual maturity growth, growing. I, I think I've said this before, but I love, I love babies, right? I love holding babies. I love the smell of babies, right? Uh, I don't like to change diapers so much, right? But I love babies. I just like to hold them, and it's just so peaceful. I, I mean, some of you dads who know, you can just kind of sit down on the couch, put the baby on your chest, and you'll fall asleep. Right? And sometimes the baby will throw up on your shirt. And, and you don't really seem to mind. Eh, that's okay. 
You see moms and dads with all this throw up all over. The Gidgees are getting ready to have a baby, right? That's what's gonna, that's gonna be Jason's. It's gonna have a new design, right? And you know, uh, if you wake up the baby, the baby just starts crying and makes all kinds of noises and everything like that. And you expect the baby to be a baby. It's cute when a baby is a baby, right? It's not cute when a 12-year-old is a baby. Do you understand? It's not cute when a 12-year-old goes, Mommy, I want this, I want that. Oh, that is not cute. Oh, I can't. When I go to Costco in Carlsbad, that's all I see. Parents being run by their kids, right? That's all I see, right? Um, It is not cute when... uh, 12-year-old goes through the aisles and starts knocking down the products, laughs, and when their mom or dad says, come here, they run the other way. That is not cute. In fact, it shows something. What? There is a level of maturity that has been missed. And sometimes, sometimes, there's different reasons, right? Sometimes there are reasons that folks, they may even come to church, They may even be a Christian for a long time, but because of circumstances, because of lack of discipline, they still act like infants. They still think like infants. They still behave and make decisions, life-changing decisions, like infants because they have not grown up. And you know what? God says, I'm going to say it this way, God doesn't think that's cute. Well, I thought God accepts me any way I am. That is true, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Right? Here, follow me. Follow. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Look, with, look at the verse. Chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Because of the local church, because people are using their gifts... This is what happens in verse 14. As a result, okay, we are no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of every individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And those of you who are in our, our other kind of phrasing classes, as we are looking at the text to find the meaning, you know, notice two very independent clauses here, okay, that is governing this whole passage. He says in verse 14, we are no longer to be children. You see that? And then secondly, in verse, uh, where are we? Verse 15, we are to grow up. So in the negative and the positive, you're not supposed to be like children. In the positive, you are to grow up. So God gave this passage so that you would mature steadily using your spiritual gift in the body. He desires that not only 
you come to know the glories of Christ, come to know his saving power, come to know his forgiveness, but that you would be steadily growing, progress, growth, maturity. He commands you to grow. Notice he says, we are no longer to be children. The word there for children is infant, child. He doesn't want you to stay in that state. Some people say, well, all I need to know is just the rudimentary things of the gospel. And I'm just going to kind of cruise on life. I'm just going to cruise until I die and I'm going to heaven. That is not what God desires of you. If you are in the same place where you were five years ago, you're in trouble. I don't want to be in the same place I was five years ago. You know how sometimes on Facebook they give you memories from five years ago, right? I don't want to be in the place of my love and my devotion five years back. I don't want to be there. I want to be stronger in my faith in Christ. I want to have, I want to have grown more. I want to be more devoted to the saints and to Christ. I want to be uh, more trusting of Christ and his promises. I want to grow. Do you want to grow? The Bible calls you to grow, not to stay there, to be progressing. While we know that ultimately it is Christ who causes spiritual maturity, there bears on every Christian the absolute weight of caring for your own spiritual growth. Here is an astonishing statement, and I'm going to say this, okay? Because you have to feel the weight of it. You are as mature spiritually as you really want to be. Okay. Right now. You are as close to Christ as you really want to be right now. Why do we say that? Because we know from Peter it says, he has given us what? Everything pertaining to life and godliness. We have his scripture that is able to make us adequate for every good work. We have the Holy Spirit who is able to uh, strengthen us and fill us so that we could live out the roles that we have in Christ. We have all these resources at our disposal, and, it's, and Christ is calling us to mature. Do you take your growth seriously? Sometimes when it comes to performance evaluations at work, I used to have to do them. I didn't like doing that. Because you have all these performance evaluations and you tell people, okay, these are your strengths. And we don't say weaknesses in HR, right? You say, these are your areas of improvement, right? Because it's non-PC. You don't say weakness to people. Your areas of improvement, right? But as you go along, we would see in any other subject, in any other field, in any other part of your life, you always want to see progress, right? At the job, okay, I've done this, I'm better here. Okay, in college, okay, I finished this class here. I finished my GE, and now I'm up to my specialized course. Progress. Progress. Now, with any progress, you always want benchmarks, right? Do you know what a benchmark is? I want to know how far I've grown. And Christ gives us two benchmarks in this text, okay? There are two benchmarks. Uh, um, my wife, because we were moving a lot, my wife, um, I think all of you guys do this with your kids. When they grow, um, maybe you have a doorway and you 
measure their head, how high they are, and then you tick it off. Then you write Leah right there. Then you Dana, right? That's how tall she got. And Ty, right? Nelson, right? <laughs> My wife had this canvas, which was rolled up so we can go anywhere in the world, right? And so she, she still has that. It's, uh, it's usually hanging outside of Tachi's door. And it's kind of cool, we kind of look at, oh, this is where she was. Oh, now look at her, look at her. God gives us a benchmark. He gives you a benchmark of where am I supposed to be in growth? You know what? And I, I hope, I don't want to beat you up over the head. I want this to be an encouraging portion okay, in your life. In sports, in school, in our jo on the job, we always want to be progressing. Christ says this is what matters. And here are the benchmarks. The first benchmark is growing, growing in perceptive discernment in doctrine. Okay. Growing in perceptive discernment in doctrine. What God calls us to be is, first, perceptive. In that, and the reason why I say perceptive is you're able to see and to understand the philosophies that lie around you. You could see it in the world. You could see it on the media. You could see it whatever on, on, on video clips and everything like that. You're able to perceive, and then you have discernment. Okay? Discernment. Discernment in doctrine. The word there for discernment, uh, just to explain what discernment means, is the ability to choose between right and wrong. It is the ability to judge, adjudicate between that which is Good and that which is evil. And what occurs is, what occurs is, as you grow in Christ, you should be like a sharp, sharp knife, getting sharper and sharper and sharper. You should be able to see the philosophies of the world come, and you should be able to judge it by doctrine, by what God has taught in the scriptures. And to say, okay, that's right, or that's wrong, or that's biblical, or that's not biblical. Okay, this is how I'm going to live my life, and this is how I'm not going to live my life. Notice he says, here's the benchmark. Um, because there, there is a positive danger. Now, when I say the word doctrine, a lot of folks will go, <sighs> right? But all doctrine really is, brothers and sisters, just means teaching. And if you... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's first. Number one, you've just believed in a teaching or a doctrine of who Christ is. If you believe he is God incarnate, you've believed in a doctrine that he, of the incarnation. If you believe he died on the cross, you believed in the doctrine of the atonement for you. If you believe that if you, all you have is put his faith in him and you will be saved, you believe in justification by faith alone. That's all that doctrine means. Teaching clarity and that allows you to judge that which is right and wrong because there is a big danger notice what is the danger he says as a result and uh let me read the verses prior to it so we can get the flow the verse the verses says he gave some in verse 11 apostles and some as prophets some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service now you're being built up right to the building of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. What happens is as the preacher preaches, 
as the evangelist teaches, what happens? You start to believe and grip on and have unity in the faith. That is the system of teaching of what we call Christian doctrine. Of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a mature man. And now you are growing. In verse 14, he talks about this first benchmark because it's so dangerous. He says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine. Now, even, even if I do know my kids can swim, when we were at, uh, at Torrey Pines, there's a huge undertow, right? And I still, you have to be very careful when your kids are playing on the shoreline. Even uh, we had uh, last month, there were five kids from Vallejo. They were uh, at Ocean Beach in San Francisco, and they had their arms interlocked. And even though they were interlocked, okay, they went to Ocean Beach. They all got swept away. Three of them came back. Two of them, they still have not found their bodies. And these are kids from Vallejo, right? Because what they did not have the strength. They did not have the skill. They did not have the weight to them grounded right and what the bible is saying here is when you are not steady and growing in christ and growing in scripture and growing in doctrine you will be swept away just like that undertow you're not going to know what's right or wrong It says here, you'd be carried about. That's why the kids, when you're in the water, they cling to your legs. Have you noticed that? Because they're just being thrown by the waves. They have no grounding. They have no strength by which to stand. Folks who have not grown in doctrine are susceptible to being tossed and carried about. They're susceptible to being tossed and carried about. Now, I've noticed this even as, as I as I grow in Christ, that um, there was one time where we were uh, at, our, at our sending church and there were suppo- some women who were, they were um, in the church for over 25 years. Got to be over 25 years, okay? But somewhere, somehow, they didn't grow in a certain part of doctrine. And what started to occur is this one book was being passed around and it was a it was the doctrine of uh, we call it now we call it hyper sanctification because we have no other term for it and in that doctrine what it teaches is that um, you don't have to strive for a holy life after christ has saved you you don't have to strive for a holy life because uh, he hasn't given you the power to do so so if you're in sin, you could just kind of stay in sin. Right? And this book was getting passed around and saying, oh, look at this book. It's so wonderful. It's so gracious. Look, it really shows the graciousness of God. And we looked at it and we said, no, it doesn't. It shows the heresy. And because there's no grounding, some of them wouldn't listen. Right? Some of them wouldn't pay attention. Now, there are a lot of reasons. There are a lot of reasons why people um, 
my people uh, are not grounded. They're not growing in Christ, growing in discipline, growing in doctrine here. Okay? That's verses 14 and 15. Uh, one is they're not disciplined to hear. Not disciplined to hear. Okay? In Hebrews 10, 23, we know the text. It says, let us not con- hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I remember Chinette and I, we were, we were teaching a Bible study, and um, there was also a Sunday school that we're teaching on parenting, and uh, this one girl we were trying to minister to, she kept saying, you know, my kids... They're giving me a hard time. I don't know what to do. Um, every time we broach the subject of sin, she goes, well, it's not probably not sin. It's not sin. It's not that simple. And I said, really? And so as we talked about it, she says, well, could you come to our house and teach us uh, how to parent and everything? And I said, there's a Sunday school that's designed for parents to help you grow in parenting. So that you know you're not alone in this. And it, it teaches God's way of raising kids. teaches God's doctrine of how to raise kids. Well, you know, um, I can't make that, she said. I can't make that. Why? There was no real good reason for her to say she couldn't make it. In other words, she didn't want to make the effort to be disciplined enough to hear what God has to say about it. She wanted quick answers and quick gimmicks, quick manipulations. Oh, go spend time in the corner. Oh, if you don't go out, you're not going to go play. Or if you don't do this, if you don't clean up, you're not, uh, you won't be able to play video games. All those quick gimmicks which have nothing to do with how God designed for us to raise kids. She was swept. She bought into psychology. She bought into the world's way of raising She was not disciplined here. Or another reason why people are not growing in doctrine is they're not disciplined to study. Not disciplined to study. The Bible says in 2 Timothy to be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Sometimes these folks will say, well, you know, um, they have a, pure, a poor view of what? Of reading. Of studying. They say, I don't want to read. I don't want to study. You know, if you become a Christian, the way you view reading should change. Why? Because God has communicated how? By words. And he has communicated by Scripture. They say, well, I don't want to read. Uh, 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 It it takes too much time. You know what? Part of the way that God is designed for you to grow, brothers and sisters, is to read and to study and to be diligent in God's word. I pray you would just say, you know, I wasn't much of a reader before I was saved. I would just, you know, people would say, oh, man, the book is so much better than the movie. Uh, I would say, uh, have you seen movies? It has no reading, Right. That's how I was like. I was just like that, right? I didn't want to. 
I didn't want to read, right? But when I got saved, God's word became sweet. Is it sweet to you? Is it like honey, like the psalmist says? So you should study. Or second, there's a, um, you're not disciplined to practice. Not disciplined to practice. Remember the Bible says in James, prove yourselves to be doers of the word, not merely hearers. Also in Hebrews 5, it says, solid food is for the mature, but who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. It's not just that maybe you do hear good doctrine, but the doctrine that you hear, you dump it out in the parking lot before you get in your car. And so because you're not practicing what you're hearing, you're not sharp and you're not discerning. I say this often, it's like, uh, sometimes people think that this discernment of doctrine simply is in, in the church. That's where you practice discernment. But you know, it comes in very subtle forms. When Jiminy Cricket says to follow your heart, right? And you go, well, follow your heart. Yeah, you know, you know what you need to do. And then your advice out of your mouth, you need to follow your heart. Go ahead. Go follow your heart. The Bible says, he who follows his heart is a fool. But you didn't know that. Why? Because you weren't discerning and you weren't sharp. And now because you aren't discerning, now you're spreading that. You see? Growing in doctrine. Growing in doctrine. And then he says here, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. He says there are three ways that it comes towards you. Not one is by every wind of doctrine. Second, by the trickery of men. And thirdly, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. By every wind of doctrine, the word there, wind, speaks to its temporal nature. Rapid shift, one uh, lexicon says, it's a rapid shift or change in direction. Man's philosophies and man's teachings are but a gust of wind. They're temporal. They're fleeting. Some are weak gales, yet those who have not rooted themselves in Scripture are tossed here and there. Brothers and sisters, true doctrine is permanent. It doesn't change. This is precisely why those who have not grown in the Scriptures in doctrine, their lives are unstable. Now, here's an application. Don't, here's some advice, okay? Don't make life-changing decisions based on foundations that change, that are moving. The foundations that change are men's philosophies and religion that are quicksand for life. If you're going to make these big decisions, make life-changing decisions based on foundations that never change. And that's how you know you'll have firm footing. What never changes? God's word. Christ's word. He says the trickery of men. Some of it is uh, people are just lying or deceiving you. That's also by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. The word there for trickery is the same word where we get dice. People would cheat, sleight of hand, playing craps, right? So th those are trickery of men. 
Uh, if you recall, I was talking about that doctrine of hypersanctification. One of the big proponents of that uh, recently just fell from the ministry. And it was purport, purport, reported that he had several adulterous affairs. Several. Because, notice, his doctrine, okay, are you following? Says, God didn't give me strength to obey. Because God didn't give me strength to obey, I'm just stuck in this sin. I might as well live in it and live in this state of sin and not strive for holiness, not ask God for strength, not ask Christ for strength because of this philosophy. And he brought a whole branch. There are some big names who are following this guy. And he recently fell. Are you growing sharp? See, we want, we want this church, by God's grace, to be a reading church. A reading church. Not so that you could be nerds. Okay? Not so that you could just have doctrine. But such that the reality of God roots you. When the hard times come, are you rooted in the sovereignty of God? That he actually controls all things. And that he is working for my good. When you fall in sin, are you rooted in justification by faith alone? Knowing that it's true and that even though I have sinned, I could come to him. He forgives me and all my sins have been paid on the cross. When you feel beat up and you feel like you can't go on, are you rooted in the faithfulness of God for him to be your strength? Even like that psalm that Mike read. Is it true about you that you would say, weeping may last for the night, but joy, what? In the morning. Can you say that? Does it rule you? Do these truths rule you? Does Christ rule you? Or are you being tossed back and forth? Those who are not committed to growth in doctrinal purity and fidelity are doomed to live susceptible and unstable lives. No growth in discernment equals no growth at all. But that's only one portion. Okay? If you only have this portion of growth in discernment and not the second portion, there's still no growth got to have both. Why? Because one feeds the other. Doctrinal fidelity leads to Christ-like behavior. Right? Secondly, not only are you to grow in discernment for doctrine, but you are to grow in loving care for the church. Grow in loving care for the church. Notice he says here, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of every individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. And now he says here, we are to grow up, brothers and sisters, if you know Christ, the Bible is calling you to grow. And how, does it, is it, how is it calling you to grow? First, it says you are to speak the truth in love. That word there, speaking the truth in love, is actually just one word. It is um, 
uh, how do you say it? Truthing. Truthing in love. Okay. Lovely, lovingly truthing. I don't know. We're just making the words up. Okay. Lovingly truthing because it's such a long word. Speaking the truth in love. Now, you know the context. What's the context? Doctrinal purity. Okay. So contextually, what, the, what God is saying is, is that in order for you to grow, you have to speak to another person in a loving context when they're off. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, Jeremy and I were having this long conversation. Okay? A lot of folks don't take this seriously because it's scary. The Bible says, if you truly love Christ and you truly love his truth, in the context of the local church, when someone is off in doctrine, in philosophy, in belief, in rationalization of sin, the Bible calls you to lovingly care for the church by stepping into their lives, putting your hand on his shoulder or her shoulder and saying, what you're saying, I hear what you're saying. It's not reflected in the scriptures. I don't believe that's what Christ wants. Here is what I think the word of God is saying in a loving manner. Okay? Now the thing is, see, Many folks don't want to get there because they're scared. I mean, uh, who likes conflict? I don't like conflict. I don't like it at all. But if you truly, notice he says here, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. He's saying this. He's saying Christ will cause growth if we are committed to right doctrine, right teaching, committed to the purity of the gospel in each other's lives. Such that if I'm going astray, Jeremy's going to talk to me. Mike's going to talk to me. Nelson's going to talk to me. If you're going astray, I'm going to talk to you. If there's an attitude that's not aligned with Scripture, we're going to talk to one another. Why? Because if we don't and we ignore it, it kind of like uh, joints in a machine. It just keeps rubbing. It just keeps rubbing. With, and then you'll see sparks. You'll see sparks. And then the thing comes down after there's a lot of heat. It breaks down. It's just like if you forget to put oil in your engine. Right, right Ty? I didn't mean to bring that up, brother. <laughs> but it's like, it's like that, right? The metal rubs, and, it, and all of a sudden it's, it's broke. What God desires of you, okay, is to demand truth and authenticity in your own life. Take out the log that's out of your eye. And to call your brothers and sisters out to that same accountability. And that's why we have membership. That's how you know who to do it with. Do you see? Now, there's, I'm going to ask some hard questions, okay? When was the last time 
you had to rebuke someone. Have you done it? When was the last time you know that there's something wrong in their life and you've done nothing? Okay? I know that even if I'm backing up and, and, and I'm not looking behind me, if I'm going to hit uh, Andre's car, I know someone else who's seeing it is going to say, Hey, Angelo, stop! You're going to hit Andre's car! Why? Because I am not paying attention, right? And danger awaits me, okay? But notice there is spiritual destruction for your brothers and sisters. They're heading the wrong way. Their heart is getting cold towards Christ. They don't want anything to do with Christ. They don't want anything to do with the local church. They don't want anything to do with Scripture anymore. Their heart is growing cold against Christ. And you are doing nothing. This doesn't say pastors. You get it? It doesn't say elders. What does it say? We are to grow up in all aspects. Brothers and sisters, we are to shepherd our kids, our lives. There's areas in your kids' lives. Are you working towards redemption there? Moving towards them? Asking them to look at scriptures and say, is this really what the Bible says? We're not going to be healthy if we're doing that. Husbands, you have to do it with your wives. Wives, you have to do it with your husbands. Dads, you got to do it with your kids. Moms, you got to do it with your kids. We have to do it with each other, your friends, back and forth. Why? Because this is how Christ has designed for us to grow. He doesn't want us to be simply section one, theologues, doctrinal. He wants us to be people who live what we say we believe. And all of this, brothers and sisters, all of this, we notice it says here, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, all of this fits together. How does it fit together? That as we are committed to the scriptures and we're committed to right doctrine and we're committed to the propagation of the gospel and we're committed to one another. We're committed to see that doctrine lived out in each other. When we're committed to one another, Christ says he will cause the growth of the body. This does not come without sparks. You understand? There are frustrating, th frustrating things we have to talk about. Why? Because as we walk this pilgrim path together, brothers and sisters, pockets of rebellion still are in our hearts. There are closets in your spiritual home that you have not let Christ in. Okay? You say, I don't want you in that room because I didn't order it right. Well, Christ says, I'm coming in and I'm cleaning the house. And it's, uh, it's kind of like when, when your, your child maybe is skateboarding and they got a scraped knee and there's dirt all over it. You have to go and clean it, right? And every time you try and clean it, they shrink back, right? Don't touch. Ow! Right? You bring out the alcohol. They're, they're like moving that leg. Hey, bring your leg. And then 
it comes slowly and then it moves again, right? Why? Because what's good for the child is sometimes painful, right? And the work that we do, brothers and sisters, with each other's hearts, by pressing the gospel into each other's hearts, is sometimes very painful. And if you're not doing it, right? If you're not doing it, the Bible says you're not growing. I'm not making it up. Look at it. Did you see it? The Bible says you're not growing. Now, let me continue on. We know it is dependent on Christ total obedience unto him to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. We have to trust his work. It has to be centered in Christ. None of this, he will not give us the strength. He will not give us the love uh, if we are not committed to him. We desire to be, um, uh, excuse me, we are not going to grow unless, we, unless he gives us that growth, right? That growth comes from being committed to Reform our lives for his glory. But also, it works in humble service. Notice in verse 16, 15 and 16. Speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. The fitting together, holding together, Sometimes those words are used in fitting bones or splinting bones after they've been broken. Christ does this operation that as we are walking with him, committed to his truth, committed to him, he melds our lives together. We grow dependent on each other according to the proper working of each individual part. And then an astonishing phrase, and we'll end with this. Notice he says here, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Notice he says here, from whom the whole body, verse 16, and if we jump, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Frank Griffith showed me this before in a seminary class a long time ago, that if you follow the line of thought, that as Christ leads, he says, and as people are being committed to doctrine, when the body is properly working and everyone is using their gift and everyone is loving one, one, one another and speaking the truth and correct gospel to one another, what happens is the body, if you follow the line of thought, causes the growth of the body. Did you hear that? The body, follow, look at the text. He says here, from whom the whole body being fitted together, held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of every individual part. Take that, okay? Just put that down, okay? But the whole body causes the growth of the body. See there? The body causes the growth of the body. What does that mean? That means I can't grow without you. You see? You can't grow without me. We can't grow without each other. Without all of us being committed to right doctrine, to committed to right living, and committed to Christ. And that's why we need each other. 
I've told you guys this many times. I wouldn't have come without you guys. Forget it. Forget it. I know how fickle I can be. I know how faithless I can be. I need you guys. You make me strong. I hope I make you strong by encouraging you. We make each other strong. When I see Andre playing guitar, when I see Dana over there on the soundboard, and Jamie uh, uh, recording me, when I see people setting up chairs, it encourages me and it builds me up. I know you guys do it as a labor of love to Christ and to one another. Amen? Amen? So, are you growing? Maybe, maybe you've uh, been somewhere where sometimes this happens and you just get so discouraged where leaders teach a right doctrine, but their lives don't match with it. And it's so discouraging and maybe you're hurt. Maybe you just want to get healed up a little bit. That's okay, right? But after a while, after you're healed, get back in the game. If you've fallen off the horse, get right back on. And Christ will meet you. He'll give you strength. But he desires that you would grow in discernment. And he desires that you would grow in loving care to the local church. Those are the benchmarks. Why? Because the doctrine determines how you think. And the loving care is a litmus test of how you live. Isn't it wonderful that Christ bought community he bought this right placed us he's fitting us and so that's what we're going to be celebrating now in communion